we're seeing teams keep that mindset of being equipped to provide the experience that the consumers are looking for, no matter what that experience is. Whereas before, I feel like personally, I, I feel like a lot of owners and managers and on-site teams tried to fit the consumer into what they wanted to offer. And now they're looking at it the other way around of, well, what do our prospects want and how can I provide that? Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we take a deep dive into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today. Okay, so welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm Mitch Fanning with RentSync. And joining me today is Matt Wyrick, co-founder and CEO of Relink, a video leasing platform in the multifamily space. Matt, how are you doing today? Good, Mitch. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Well, first, thanks for uh, for doing this. And we're going to be talking, obviously, a lot about video leasing and kind of where it's, how it's kind of evolved since COVID. And obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about COVID. We can't get through a conversation these days uh, without talking a little bit about that. We won't. We won't say new normal. That's, we, we definitely won't say new normal. But and and the whole idea around leasing properties unseen. Uh, but before we start, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you got in the industry and how you got the idea for for Relink. Yeah, absolutely. So it it definitely goes back. Uh, 2011 was the the origin for the idea, which I can't believe that's 10 years ago now. But I was graduating from Purdue University, moving up to Chicago, which isn't a crazy far distance, about two, maybe three hours, depending on traffic. And when I was looking for a place to live, I ended up driving up to Chicago six weekends in a row to look at properties, looked at over 40 different properties in person. And it was a pretty painful process because at, at least half of those, I walked in and instantly turned around and walked out. I, I knew within seconds I wasn't going to be living there. So it really made me question why it was such an inefficient process looking for a place to live relatively sight unseen, quote unquote, sight unseen. I was still traveling up there, but yeah, it just uh, made me question the overall apartment search process, uh, lack of availability to see my exact unit online and what that caused with the in-person reliance. And so it, it just so happens that May 2011 was when FaceTime came out, which is crazy. Now it feels like FaceTime is just a standard part of everyday life and that it's been around forever. Exactly. So kind of put two and two together that I absolutely would have used something like FaceTime to connect with my agent or the leasing team or someone to preview the spaces and make my physical in-person touring a lot more efficient. But I ended up sitting on the idea for a couple of years, didn't make any moves on that original idea, but uh, started my career as a management consultant at Accenture. And as a consultant, I was on the road for three years straight, Monday through Thursday, every single week. And uh, one of the trends that I saw repeated time and time again amidst my colleagues was how hard looking for real estate was not being able to physically be there to tour. And that that pain point just kept popping up time and time again in my life. And so finally, 
I was actually at a work event and my now co-founder, Ani, him and I were colleagues at Accenture and uh, talking about what's next. He was part of a startup at Northwestern University, wanted to do something entrepreneurial. So I pitched him the idea and the very next weekend we were in my apartment whiteboarding laying the foundation for what is now Reelink. And so you mentioned 2011, but when you started kind of whiteboarding, what year was that? Yeah, so that was the end of 2013. And then we brought the very first MVP version of the Reeling platform to market in 2014. When you were looking as a renter and you'd walk into these spaces, and some of, some, of, some of the responses you're going to give me are obvious, but what were some of the reasons why, based on you know, what you saw, you said, wait a minute, no, this isn't for me. Knowing that it, it was a fit in the initial kind of screening, but then when you saw it, what was the disconnect there? Yeah. I mean, when you, when you looked at an apartment website, you could see photos of the model unit. And typically that was about it besides a 2D floor plan. And in a big city like Chicago, view, natural light, full west-facing or east-facing view versus partially obstructed, fully obstructed, things like that. Um, I'm, I'm clearly a big view and natural light guy. That's where I gravitate to. But even things down to the the finishings and the, the quality of the, the tile, the carpet, is the sliding closet door on track or is it partially hanging off of the track and just little things like that that you never notice online, but you absolutely notice in person. I'm, I'm very particular with my real estate and it there was... Uh, I, I don't want to sound too bougie, but there was definitely a laundry list of uh, boxes that I was looking to check that um, very quickly would be unchecked by just walking in and seeing the unit. So we're going to put a pin on that because we're going to talk a little bit towards the end about, you know, the, your idea of like a perfect touring uh, experience through video uh, and the idea of being authentic and being transparent. Cause there's a, c- a couple of things that I can kind of comment based on, you know, our experience at Rensync. The other thing too is the whole whole um, when the technology comes out. So a lot of times, even going uh, giving a, a just a simple example like social networks. When when mobile became a thing, it kind of was the catalyst uh, because a lot of people started using you know Facebook on their mobile. I guess my question uh, is knowing that kind of FaceTime was became the technology. Was it? Did you feel like it was? partly because you know you were just doing other things or did you feel like it was just too early it was just a too too early to kind of move on that definitely too early um i don't know if you remember but even when facetime first came out 4g lte wasn't even the thing yet we were still in the 3g era and so to use facetime you had to be on wi-fi uh it actually did not work on a 3g network and so there were just some of those early barriers about connectivity and whole home internet and uh, Wi-Fi extenders and uh, hotspots throughout a community and things like that really weren't a thing back in 2011. And so um, sat on it, A, because I was starting my career fresh out of college as a consultant, but B, because I recognized some of the constraints with being able to really fulfill that live virtual touring video leasing sort of uh, idea that I had was going to be part of that was going to be outside of my purview. And I didn't want to get into the business of having to 
help a community figure out their connectivity throughout the property in order to use my platform. Yep. And, and so it was kind of chicken and egg on that a little bit. 100%. So 2013, you guys start whiteboarding. You guys kick out a MVP 2014. You know, I'm not from this industry. I I, I kind of I joined uh, Rinsing a couple of years ago. I'm from kind of the B2B kind of software SaaS space, and you know, from, from a whole Martech kind of uh, marketing sales software, we've seen since like 2006, seven like HubSpot. Like that was kind of the initial like the CRM Salesforce. There was lot lot going on, and it's 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 evolved, and I think it still has some some uh, runway to go as far as you know the Martech space just outside of this industry however 2014 starts you kind of, you guys start working on your mvp give me a sense of what you saw from like 2014 to say 2020 mm-hmm. because i think the prop tech space was catching you know fire you saw investment you saw investors wanting more data like wanting the ways to streamline their operations but give me a sense of like what that looked like it's been Incredible when you look at that window over a six-year span. Back in 2013, 2014, prop tech wasn't yeah. even like a widely known term. No. And I, I don't even know if it was formally coined back then or not. Uh, we always no. we called ourselves a real estate technology company. And now we would sound so old for saying real estate technology. <laughs> it's prop tech. Uh, it, it was... It, it was incredible, the attention that PropTech got very quickly. Uh, right after we launched, I would say about six months after we launched our MVP, there were multiple PropTech accelerators starting up in Chicago, uh, multiple in, in venture capital groups and investment groups that were turning eyes on it. Uh, one of our very early clients and partners, Waterton Residential, they even created an internal innovation team and they were looking to partner with some of those accelerators, some of those investors to uh, really help spur, foster, and uh, be a part of innovation in uh, in the real estate space, which was a super exciting time to get into it for sure. But in terms of our journey, it also was, I won't say a slow one. It was a linear one. Yeah. And from from 14 to 19, we saw really good, steady, linear growth. But especially for the multifamily space, it was a very educational sales process. And there was a slowly growing percentage of the consumer audience that was looking for a better experience when touring properties, but it wasn't really a catalyst for on-site leasing teams and management teams to change yet. And when introducing video leasing and virtual leasing, they were thinking of it from a marketing standpoint. Virtual tours were marketing tools that sit on their listing, sit on their website for people to engage with on their own. And then touring means physically come to the property and touring in person. And so there was resistance. There was obviously early adopters as there are with any technology that proved out incredible value on our platform of being able to double, triple, and 
sometimes even quadruple their lead to lease conversion rates by introducing virtual leasing into the equation. And so a lot of eyes were really starting to open up to it. Um, at com- industry conferences like NMHC Optech, it started to get more and more attention on stage about how the leasing process is evolving self-guided tours came into the space and there was a just a lot more attention on how that part of the resident life cycle can be enhanced evolve streamline things like that and so it your your timeline was a good timeline of 14 to end of 19 because 2020 everything when you talk virtual changed it changed 100 and so you know it's interesting again coming from the outside and looking at just different how this how 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 uh, a vertical adopts a technology if you will kind of just being a, a student of that um the other thing too i and correct me if i'm wrong but one thing i noticed was the tech hubs for prop tech seemed to me to be kind of going from east to west it was it was new york it's it is texas it's chicago i'd say chicago is a good one and it's it's a uh, it's um seattle just kind of due to like you know redfin and, and zillow where a lot of them were kind of outside of the silicon valley like a lot of them and so it's that's kind of an interesting thing so i i see does did that i guess my my question or my my comment was did that kind of help or do you see that like that connection to that kind of hub was that a kind of connecting point yeah absolutely and it's uh, I, I love that you recognize that because it, it's an interesting call out and i can't necessarily put my finger on exactly why it's that way. Like in my mind, there's some sort of disconnect between the real estate vertical and pure B2B SaaS go-to-market strategies. Um, It's definitely a different space with different go-to-market strategies to uh, be able to hit it. But it's definitely evolving, and I think the the real estate space is becoming more accustomed and attuned to that pure B2B SaaS experience and expectation. I also think there's something to those markets that you called out. There's an innate hunger to prove oneself, I guess. Um, yeah. there's, there's no overinflation of valuations or building a business purely for the multiples it's it's building a business to be successful make an impact and uh, make revenue um, and be be sustainable businesses and things like that versus simply building for the next round and i'm not saying all value-based businesses do that but i think there is some sort of uh, blue collar is not the right word but there's a, a, a grittiness to a lot of prop tech companies yeah and the other thing too i mean we talked a little bit about the the idea that the the investors you know want more data and that's kind of been pushing it obviously on the renting side people are used to you know booking an uber getting their starbucks through the mobile not everything is is almost product led it's almost like more they want digital uh, but i also noticed as well these companies whether you're you're a property management company whether you're an owner operator or even an asset manager you're starting to get these people inside that are becoming real professionals, like, hmm. like marketing and leasing professionals. And it's, it's, and as a, as a result, you're starting to see that actually be an evolution I- I- as a professional, because five years ago, 
they didn't have all of these technologies that had to integrate. So now you're, you're seeing that somebody has to come in as a, as a, as a marketer and pull these things all together. Or, or there's, there's, there's teams within those, those operations that have to now understand that. Whereas five, 10 years ago, they didn't. So it's almost becoming a, almost a, a, a profession onto itself. And it's, it's expanding the, what that profession looks like, which I think is great. Yeah, absolutely. And even, even when you look on site, um, the, the profile of a successful leasing agent today is very different uh, than it was five, 10 years ago. And uh, the, the leasing agents that are adopting technology and evolving and shifting to consumer demands and trends and things like that are the ones that are seen a lot of success. And uh, I think it, it is a, a testament to the industry stepping up and stepping into this new season, I won't say new normal, this new season <laughs> uh, that we're in and uh, being, being willing to shift and uh, um, try new things, which is super exciting. Absolutely. Now, you know, kind of shifting gears or, or kind of, you know, moving forward in the conversation definitely has experienced incredible growth as a result of, you know, 2020 as a result of COVID, people accelerating the need to go digital, of course. Um, I guess the question is like, what's been your biggest takeaway from all this? Uh, I'd be curious. I mean, we, we've been thinking, we, we talk about this a lot internally, just, you know, we've been uh, fortunate enough to have that kind of same kind of trajectory because of the, the environment we're in partly what's, what's been your kind of biggest takeaway? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. A lot of times you hear about something being a catalyst for change. And that's 100% what COVID was for our industry in a lot of ways. And while the industry was shifting and was adopting new technology, it was, it was happening slowly. And you would see a lot of owners and managers that would try things out on a property or two, but there was really no plan beyond that property or two of, well, what, what does success look like here? And once we see that, does that mean you're rolling this out to the rest of your properties or what does that mean? And I I think now we're seeing companies approach it from more of a top-down corporate-wide strategic approach of, okay, all of our teams need access to this technology, not just our lease ups and leave the stabilized properties out to dry and solely because we're maximizing the NOI on them. All of our teams need access to this baseline package of um, technologies and offerings. And we're going to marry that up with training and support and things like that. And so it, it's really been incredible seeing the shift from a lot of the corporate teams as well as the on-site teams of how they're leaning into adopting, integrating, and implementing technology, not with that we'll try it out mindset. Yeah. They're diving first into it as a solution that they know they need for their business to thrive moving forward. And even as we come out of shelter in place and quarantine and all of that, we're, we're seeing teams keep that mindset of being equipped to provide the experience that the consumers are looking for, no matter what that experience is. Whereas before, I feel like personally, I, I feel like a lot of 
owners and managers and onsite teams tried to fit the consumer into what they wanted to offer. And now they're looking at it the other way around of, well, what do our prospects want and how can I provide that? Yeah. And it's kind of, again, just in my, in my world, it's kind of reducing the friction of the whole life cycle, right? Like uh, in a lot of cases you look at, you know, how somebody becomes from, from a lead to a customer and the expansion and you, and you try to reduce friction. And I think what video does in many, many ways is it reduces the friction. And it's a, it's an easy thing to kind of, you know, you know, get your head around speaking of kind of use cases and trends. When I was doing some research for this conversation, one in- interesting uh, use case that I found video, uh, it was a customer testimonial and a customer used uh, Rilling to verify an applicant's proof of ID, I believe, by getting them to actually, when they were con- you know, having real-time conversations in video, to getting to actually getting them to hold up their ID to, to prove that because, you know, in most cases they, they're not comfortable actually sharing that either via email or, you know, they don't have, they can't come into the, you know, physically to get into that uh, conversation for, for one reason or another. So the question is, you know, what other interesting use cases have you or your team noticed? Like there's the straightforward ones, like the marketing, the lead, but what are some of these like interesting ones where you're like, oh, it's an interesting use case. Yeah. That's what's, so fun about it. We don't limit the creative possibilities of our clients on the platform. We really leave the creative direction up to them of how they use Relink to create their pre-recorded videos, use it for live tours, you name it. We've seen some really creative virtual open houses. Uh, we saw a team out in Maryland. Maryland? Uh, yeah, Maryland. They did a prices right themed virtual open house, which was super <laughs> fun and creative. They dressed up, got really into it. Um, and it was a really cool way for them to engage with their audience online and host a large number of people through their property at one time. But in terms of those really cool, different use cases that teams might not be thinking for with video. We saw a huge increase in maintenance videos, teams creating very simple how-to videos of how to program your HVAC, how to reset a tripped breaker, um, care tips for your in-unit washer and dryer, how to clean out the lint trap, and things like that. Um, We even had a student property that had a heavy presence of international students that didn't know they needed shower curtains. And so they recorded a video about why you need shower curtains in the bathroom. And so it's a really cool way to just communicate a message and uh, help people understand something. I'd say another really interesting use case that was client-driven for us and opened our eyes to a cool use case was self-guided tours. Self-guided tours are really growing in popularity where consumers want to come to our property, but they don't necessarily want the leasing agent there throughout the tour with them. And there's a, an abundance of self-guided tour companies and platforms to make it safe, secure, access, all of that. But the pain point with that is there's no voice of the leasing team guiding that prospect through the tour and answering their questions and things like that. And so we've seen a growing number of teams create QR codes on signage that they'll place throughout that self-guided tour path and the QR codes link to a video of the leasing agent 
in that room or in that amenity talking through the upgraded countertops or the beautiful sunset views or how you can schedule and book this amenity and things like that. So it's keeping the voice of that leasing team in that self-guided tour path without having to physically be a part of it, which is really cool. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now let's get back to the show. So I want to kind of mention one thing, and I and I kind of hate to kind of come back. Uh, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. I guess this is why it just keeps coming back into my conversations about this. And, and product led growth is something that is more on the, the software side. Most most people in multifamily probably don't even know what that means. But again, when what you told me when you know when you start getting maintenance videos, how I see it is is resident success. Mm-hmm. It's knowledge base it's now you, you know it's the marketing it's the leasing but now it's like there's a there's a reservoir of videos to not only help your residents you know solve problems uh which has its its own use cases or or, or business cases or uh in terms of you know why you'd want to do that as a business as an operator uh but then there's the whole side of retention mm-hmm no turn like less turn so it, it's interesting just in this conversation how you can apply that video strategy across right from the marketing and leasing but also you know resident success exactly and to your point about that the really cool thing with video is how it really does play throughout the entire resident life cycle and it, it's such a I think you used these words earlier, transparent and authentic way to communicate a message. And we're seeing teams create move-in videos instead of sending a packet of information of what to expect on move-in day. They're adding a voice to it. And that voice provides empathy, humanizes the message, and it gets clicks. People want to engage with video. And uh, some other really cool use cases on the resident engagement uh, side of it we actually have some affordable government subsidized sort of properties using Reallink where they have on-site service coordinators and that on-site service coordinators sole job is to empower the residents to teach them new skills to help them create and fine-tune resumes to get jobs to to do things like that and they've been using the Reallink platform to host enablement sessions, training sessions, empowering resident events and things like that, which is really cool. They're using it to just feed into their residents and uh, help empower them to grow. And uh, um, so, yeah, videos, video is so powerful in a number of different ways beyond just marketing and things like that. Kind of switching gears, you know, what, what kind of comes to the the topic of the day is the, the interesting trend is, and I'll, before we kind of you know, I get your, your, your thoughts on it. I'm going to kind of share a couple stats that I, that I, I heard recently in 2020 Redfin claimed that 63% of home buyers. So this is on the home buying side, uh, you know, bought sight unseen. Um, which when you think about that for a second is, is amazing. Uh, and there was a Zillow stat that, uh, claimed that 40% of millennials, were comfortable buying homes online. So again, this is on the for sale side, of course, but I think it translates uh, very nicely that if you're not buying and, and, you know, 
I think there's a correlation there. You know, this this whole idea that people are are signing leases without having physically toured the property. I guess do you do you see it? You know, continuing and like where in your mind, if you just had to kind of throw out a prediction, are we going to get to a point where it's like? you know, 60 to 80%, you're going to start to see like without actually even seeing the place? Yeah, it's super interesting. The stats you gave being on the for sale side of the industry, I would say it's probably a factor higher than that for apartments because the the home purchase process is a lot bigger of a commitment than a, a 12-month lease. And it is super interesting. Even back pre-COVID, so it was, uh, I think it was November of 19, the Kingsley report came out. And that fall of 2019 was the first time in the Kingsley report that they reported on a percent of consumers no longer wanting to visit a property in person before signing the lease. And back then, fall of 19, in that report, I believe the stat was 14% or something like that. Oh, wow. And... Obviously, that's only grown through 2020, and uh, I'm with you. I feel like moving forward out of 2020 and 2021 and beyond, it is going to be the trend as long as authenticity and transparency are in that virtual leasing experience. I think as long as a consumer can see what they want to see, meaning the exact unit that they might be living in, and have their questions answered and have trust instilled in that virtual process, I think we'll see it continue to rise. And there's always going to be the people that want to physically see it before they move in. And there'll be the the hybrid where they want to maybe preview three or four units before visiting the property. And then they've down selected and they look at one unit in person before they sign the lease. But I really do think it's it's going to continue to increase. We'll see this not battle between physical and digital for multifamily, but we'll see we'll see a balance and it'll be a marriage and it really should be fully integrated leasing experience where there really is no difference, no gap or no extraneous circumstances for a prospect that wants to be 100% digital or a prospect that wants to be 100% physical. It should all be streamlined, efficient, integrated, and a very transparent leasing experience for them. Yeah, and it's going to obviously depend on the product. I mean, if it's a class A downtown, you're going to have younger people. They're more used to the video. You're going to need that probably play out all through or like pull it when you need it. Uh, in some cases, just top of funnel, just keeping it so that, you know, people can kind of make a decision and get to a decision-making process on like, yeah, they want to reach out and you have all that information. So, you know, you mentioned a couple of things and I'm not looking for like a, a top 12, you know, checklist, but it's, we've brought up the whole idea around being authentic and, and transparency. And I do think that's important. And again, it, you know, it also dovetails with, you know, People are having to learn new skills, video creating skills, which goes back to the comment I made about being professional and having to learn learn new skills. But what are the kind of the 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 best practices that you can apply across all base cases uh, to make that kind of perfect video touring experience? Some best practice, maybe where should people start? You know, 
pre versus like, um, you know, in person or, you know, in person kind of recording, like what are kind of like, uh, off the back, back of the napkin, three to five things that people need to do in order to actually be authentic and transparent? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the first thing people need to do is get over themselves. There's, that's the first hump. Everyone, everyone wants it to be a masterpiece. They want it to be perfect, show the property in the best light, which obviously you don't want it to look bad. There's, there's basic foundational things that you can do to make your video look good enough. Pan slowly. And that is the number one thing. People pan too fast. A, the person watching the video can't even see what you're trying to show them. Yeah. B, you're probably going to make them sick. And C, it doesn't look good. So pan slowly. We always tell our clients, stand and pan. A lot of people will just walk through the space and they're always moving. And walking while recording is innately shaky. And if you just position yourself in the corner of the room and do a slow pan of that space without walking, it's going to show well. You'll be surprised how smooth you can pan just using your phone, no anti-shake mount or anything. Yeah. Um, and then from there, that's it's really just piecing it together with some basic editing functionality. So uh, the, the number one thing that we really focus on is individual clips of video, which obviously does require having a platform to edit all that together. Um, the Reeling Gap allows that, stitch your clips together, whatnot. But by by not making it one long continuous video, you can cut out the transition time of walking from one space to the next. You can really add a nice look and feel to it by having those transitions space to space to space. And it really allows you, the um, recorder, the creator of the video, to, uh, it, it's forgiving that way. So if, you, if you're doing one long continuous video clip and you mess up three minutes into it, well, crap, now you have to start back in the beginning all over again. Whereas if you're 12 seconds into a 20-second video clip, you just re-record that clip and you're not, out another three minute yeah. effort. And so it, there's a lot of those basic things that you can do to make it a more simple and forgiving video creation process. But my number one tip of getting over yourself, so many people don't like how they sound on video. They don't want to be in the video. They don't think it's quality enough, but just take 60 seconds and scroll Facebook 90% of the videos that you see on there are shot on an iPhone. And that's what consumer consumers are used to seeing today. It doesn't have to be some full production, staged, lighting, microphone sort of production to add value to your prospect. So that's, that's ultimately what immediately comes to mind to me. We do provide our clients with a DJI Osmo anti-shake gimbal. I will say for the price, dollar for dollar, it is the single most um, beneficial investment to make. It truly smooths out the videos, gives it that drone-like floating look and feel. And the nice thing about it is you really can't pan too fast using that gimbal because it will slowly catch up even if you whip the camera around. So it it really does uh, help increase the quality of it and just gives people confidence in what they're shooting when you put something like that in their hands. Is that something that you white label or can you kind of buy that on Amazon? Uh, if so, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. 
Yeah, absolutely. There are a growing number of gimbals out there. And the number one thing to consider if someone's looking to purchase their own is the weight of your device. Not all gimbals are created equal and the motors can burn out very quickly. And so the reason we partner with DJI on the Osmos is because they can actually handle the most weight. Um, So when you look at the plus size devices and screen size getting bigger and all of that, the Osmos are really, in our opinion, the quality, durable um, performer of the mix. But there are some more affordable ones. If you have a smaller SE device or something like that, there are some some more affordable options on Amazon that you can get that will do just fine as well. So I want to keep um, respectfully your time, but I'm gonna I want to slip one more question before we kind of bring this to a close. Not to put you on the spot, but you know so. Obviously, uh, when you're, you, you create a video and I'll just use YouTube because everyone kind of knows that there are specific analytics that they provide. And there are also, you know, video platforms that aren't industry specific to multifamily that have done that. And they have different use cases on why, uh, you, you should create video and I'm not, I'm not going to bring them up, but you know, they're d- different analytics. So the question really is. Are you providing like uh, industry specific analytics or is it a bit of both? Uh, I guess the question is why should somebody use that versus say a uh, you know another platform? Yeah, I I always say being built for multifamily is a big consideration for anyone looking to integrate video into their processes. And built built for multifamily means multifamily-specific functionality when creating the videos, hosting the live video tours. There's a, a lot of reasons why FaceTime and Zoom and some of those platforms have some gaps compared to a built for multifamily live video touring solution. But at the end of the day, the number one thing I'll say is FaceTime will never integrate into Yardi or Entrada or your lead management system. It's just not going to. Whereas something built for multifamily is going to have those integrations from your top of funnel ILS website marketing integrations through your lead management system, your resident engagement app and platform. It's it's going to be an integrated solution, pushing and pulling data and putting things where you need it to be to be an efficient process, but also a tracked compliant process and one that your company can all collectively operate within those those not built for multifamily solutions uh, there are uh, a lot of PMCs that have created really good defined processes around them but it still leaves room for variability from property to property person to person if it's not a fully integrated solution that can be tracked to to make sure that people are doing exactly what they need to be doing in it. And so with Relink, obviously built for multifamily, fully integrated throughout the entire resident life cycle, all the different places. But one of the one of the nuances and call outs to the data point that you mentioned, YouTube will show you macro views and you can see how many views are on a video. But with Relink, we actually have unique link tracking and If I send you five videos to preview a property, I actually get notifications in real time and analytics in our platform that tells me what video you're watching, when you're watching it, how many times you're watching it. I know exactly what you have or haven't engaged with. And as a leasing professional, if I have 35 active prospects and 
10 of them have ghosted me for two weeks, but all of a sudden I see that someone's engaging with the content. I'm going to pick up the phone and call that person to follow up. I know they're engaging, they're thinking about it uh, and things like that. And so there's a lot of leasing automation and leasing insights that can be garnered um, from the interactions and the activities that someone takes with your videos at the top of funnel on the website, how that trickles into the leasing process, how they're engaging with that and things like that. So there's a lot of a lot of data that can be pulled to make a, a leasing professional and a property man- manager a lot more targeted and effective and efficient in what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, you had me at integrations. I mean, I can't, I can't stress that enough. We're seeing that too. The whole ops side and the tech stacks, again, people in these organizations, there's going to be an emerging role just focused on ops, uh, to be quite honest. And it Mm -hmm. maybe already kind of exists, but they're not called that specifically, but making sure that all these things are integrative, uh, whether natively or or custom is going to be is getting more and more uh, important, uh, and it's it's something we're also seeing. So as we kind of move to a, a smooth landing, and a couple one question, and then kind of a couple quick fire rounds, and then we'll we'll kind of. I'm a big fan of of giving people back more time in their day. So, um, what does the next three to five years look like for multifamily in your view? Maybe really, and maybe just video touring, you know, specifically as a category. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. Uh, the last question was a perfect segue for for Reallink on that front. It's helping teams be more efficient and make smarter, informed decisions. So um, there there is a, a lot of data being collected based on the actions and activities and feedback that um, prospects and clients are giving throughout the entire process from their very first touch point at the top of the funnel all the way through to them becoming residents. And um, there's a, a lot that we can pull to help make leasing teams more effective and efficient to do things like lead scoring and automated follow-up and touch points and um, personalized follow-up and things like that. So there's some some really cool things from the leasing insights and automation standpoint, as well as leaning into the resident uh, engagement side of it more as well of being a more integrated solution, helping optimize the operations for communities. Um, like you said, product-led growth. Um, so there's uh, some really fun opportunities there for us in particular. But as an industry, it it's so hard to say. Had you asked that question a year and a half ago, it'd be very different than the answer today. And so I'm excited with the, the speed of uh, – improvement, the speed of innovation in multifamily. And I think that's only going to increase. Um, We're seeing a lot of big moves by big players, both on the tech side and the owner manager PMC side. And like you said, there's going to be some new positions brought into these companies that are going to really help integrate, streamline, and enhance what... um, what's happening uh, with technology, what's happening on site. And I'm excited about it because we we base a lot of our roadmap based on client feedback. And I think the, the client is becoming a lot more 
educated and specific in their asks. And it's really helping drive the how fast that innovation is happening. So I, I think it's going to be good. I, like I said earlier, I think it, a theme that we will see is that combination of physical plus digital. Um, that's, in my opinion, going to continue to be a theme that we see uh, iterating. And uh, we, we collected a quote from one of our clients uh, in 2020. And I I feel like he really summed it up and hit the nail on the head. He said, it's not my job as a leasing agent to tell a prospect what he or she can or can't do or doesn't does or doesn't want to see. It's my job to provide the opportunity. And I feel like that's going to be a mindset that we see more and more of in our industry is having that service mindset of uh, catering to the prospect, providing the opportunities to experience the space and have the experience living at that community that they're looking to have. So I'm, I'm excited for all that. I think that's a great place to end, to be honest with you. Um, and where can people find out more about uh, Reelink? Yeah, so you can definitely catch us online, uh, Reelink, R-E-A-L-Y-N-C.com. Check us out. We uh, can also be reached, uh, sales at Reelink, marketing at Reelink, contact at Reelink, you name it, uh, all the uh, general inboxes. But um, we're, we're also very excited to get back to some physical, in-person conferences and events and start to uh, be in person with our industry again. We miss it. I think I think we're we're all in that same boat, and we are we all we're all looking to kind of do fist pumps uh, again, uh, or at least elbow bumps. Well, that's it for another episode. I mean, uh, Matt, thanks so much for doing this, and until next time, keep swimming. Appreciate it, Mitch. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rensink.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in this show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.